Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a guiding principle study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Guiding Principles. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then the participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. Right, welcome back, everybody. This is a guide and principle study for the Anonymous podcast. This is episode 16. I'm going to begin on page 27 with questions for members. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Brooke, could you jump in, introduce yourself, please? Hi, my name is Brooke T. Um, I live in Denver, Colorado. I go to meetings in Denver and Boulder. Um, my clean date is 6-16-1997. Thanks. All right, thanks, Brooke. What's happening, Michelle? Howdy, my name is Michelle C. And I live in Bend, Oregon. Uh, my clean date is 8-13-92. And my home group is the Early Risers, which is an online virtual meeting. Thanks, Michelle. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, everybody. I'm Bobby. I'm an addict, and my clean date is October 1st of 2020, and I attend meetings in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, and uh, I'm really happy and grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Bobby. What's up, Phil? My name's uh, Phil M. Uh, my clean date is 4-19-95. Uh, my home group is Men in Recovery in Pittsburgh, and I attend meetings in the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania. Thanks, Phil. What's happening, Carl? Hey, I'm Carl, I'm an addict. Uh, clean day, January 6, 2015. And I attend meetings all around the New Orleans area. And my home group is Open Mind. Better get your mind open. <laughs> all right, thanks, Carl. And our guest this evening, Barbara W. Jump on in, Barbara. I'm from uh, Grafton, West Virginia. My clean date is 6-30-87. I attend mostly online uh, meetings all over the world. And my home group is Catch Your Breath in Fairmont, West Virginia. All right, welcome. Thanks, Barbara. I'm Attic, my name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, folks, here we go. Got a principal study for the Anonymous Podcast, episode 16. We're gonna begin on page 27, question from members. So, uh, tradition two reads, for a group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. And so we're going to pick up here 27 questions for members. The questions blow off our way to begin or continue the process of writing, reflection, and discussion of this tradition with your sponsor or other NA members. So question one, NNA, what is a conscience and how do I get in touch with mine? What does group conscience mean to me and how do I participate in it? What is the difference between the group conscience and my individual conscience? What do you want to jump in and start us off? All right, I got uh, yeah, I'm Barbara. <laughs> All right, jump on in, Barbara. Uh, we got you. I uh, a conscience for me is me being in touch with the way that I think, and uh, you know, how do I get in touch with mine through meditation? Mine has changed. My conscience has changed through many, many years of of uh, um, meditation. Uh, what does group conscience mean to me, and how do I participate? First, I have a, have to have a group. And uh, then being very open-minded, I love Carl's uh, home group name because it's like, that's exactly what has to happen in a, in a group conscience, being open-minded. Uh, what's the difference between a group conscience and my individual conscience? Conscience is all of us together being open-minded and uh, listening to what all of us have to say as much without judgment as we can. My individual conscience is my conscience, mine. I have to have an opinion uh, and it might not might not be the same as other people's, uh, but I have an opinion on how uh, for me. And so, uh, you know, that's what well, I look at this question. Is Thanks that OK to answer all three? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll say okay. OK for that one. You got it. What's happening, Carl? Jump in. Yeah, I love um, looking up definitions and. And so, of course, I looked up the definition and it says an inner feeling or voice viewed as acting as a guide to the rightness or wrongness of one's behavior. 
And I think it really came from step work. And, you know, of course I was raised and definitely, I was, I had a pretty good family life and I think they taught me pretty good values and morals. But I think that talk about like sways of codependency and behaviors and relationships and all these other things. Like I truly had belief systems that were built. And I think that conscience, it never knew what was right or wrong. And it never knew what was healthy or unhealthy. And like the only way I really started to define some of those things was through step work, you know, and through a group, a group conscience. I mean, definitely the way that I turned my will and my life over is highly dependent upon the people around me. And that has worked very well for me. You know, I have a group of people that I really do trust. I love their recovery and, you know, how I hone my conscience in and refine it is, is based around that kind of group conscience. You know, I call these people that I really trust and despite how I feel, because sometimes it does feel right. You know, it's like, you know, in that early relationship and recovery that that shit felt right. You know what I mean? It, it hurt. It always hurt and it was terrible and it was unmanageable and there was insanity. But at the same time, it felt, you know, like, and I believed it in my heart, like, man, this is meant to be like, this is absolutely meant to be. And, you know, I was sitting with a family earlier and I'll tell you what, I've never been so uncomfortable in a work week my entire life, never. And um, we, we talked a lot about love you know, and we talked about, like, talk about a conscience, you know, it can be so misleading. And, and so many people have this idea of what love, you know, is. Oh, it's a, I just feel like, even though it's totally toxic, it's totally insane. And then they totally, it's like, you know, I always tell people like love's an action word, it really is, you know, and sometimes I feel like um, I really have to check in you know, I think that's why group conscience is so important because sometimes my conscience still kind of leads me down these toxic and unhealthy ways. And um, so I really, it's really important for me to, to have those people that I can really kind of check in with. So thanks. Thanks for those comments, Carl. Jump on in, Bobby. Yeah, I like what you said there, Carl. That That's, you know, I wanted to touch on the conscience piece of the first, the first question, like my, what I did, what is a conscience and how do I get in touch with mine? Yeah, I was like you, Carl. I, I too kind of came into this program not knowing. Well, I, I knew what right, right and wrong was, but I didn't know. I just didn't have like a, a clear gauge on how to, you know, get back in touch with that with the conscience that I that I grew up with. Right. I mean, I did so many bad things in my active addiction, and and I trained my mind to just, you know, cut off, cut off, and not think about it ever again. You know, bad choice. Okay, cut it off. That never happened. So now I'm working the steps faced with looking at my past. I think that's how I got in touch with mine, working the steps, you know, like you said, and getting out of myself and doing service is how I'm able to like put those things I'm learning into action, you know, right. And, and getting out of myself and not being so damn self-centered all the time. And um, that's just kind of where I, where I really do get the most out of that. And I'm learning with the meditation piece. Uh, that's something that I find pretty difficult for me to do, but um you know, doing my 11th step, I do have set a little time where I have some quiet time during the morning and that helps tremendously. And that's where I'm able to get in touch with my conscience too, and, and kind of go throughout the day and get, get, get ready for the day and, and, you know, approaching work, uh, ethically and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and the difference, and the, well, the last piece I'll touch on is the difference between group conscience and individual conscience. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities there in a way that, um, you know, like, the definition that Carl read, it's doing, knowing what's right and wrong in the group conscience is, is doing like the, what's doing what's best for the addict who's coming in to our meetings, you know, and keeping them around, letting them stay, you know, and I, I came to that meeting and I was welcomed with open arms. I was understood. I was made to feel a part of, I was asked to go out to dinner, you know, all those things. I, I, I had a sponsor that first meeting, like those things that the group kind of, that's what made that group so special to me, you know, is that the members were so active in welcoming the newcomer. And I think that's what the group consciousness is all about and participating in it by going to business meetings, getting service positions, all that kind of stuff. And so I kind of relate to that very much. And uh, 
think that kind of sticks into my individual conscience too. So that's all I got on that. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for those comments, Bobby. Two will point out that what is the difference, the difference within the group and in the individual pieces. When I look at that, the, the group conscience may not necessarily uh, maybe influence my individual conscience, um, but I am a part of the group conscience. And so, so I have to be intentional on saying, hey, what's good for the group and the, this conscience of the group isn't, it's including me. It's not separate. It's not me versus the group or the group versus me or something. I'm a part of that. Um, all right. So question number two reads this. How does participating in group conscience help develop my sense of a higher power? How do I allow my higher power to influence my decision making? What helps me cultivate that influence? Um, so for the, the, the first part, and then we'll open it up to who, who wants to jump in. Participating in group conscience, develop my sense of a higher power. I think really the... The, any platform to where it's, it's I need to rely maybe less on myself and more on uh, this sense of goodwill or, or other things outside of me where I have to trust not in myself but in other people. Um, I mean, that's a principle that I can apply to to my relationship with the HP. It's hard for me to do sometimes. Uh, I think I think sometimes it's it's um, it's easy for me to say, hey, look, you know, uh, I know what's best for you know for this meeting for this area, for NA as a whole, like I got it, man, just fall in line and do, you know, and uh, more often times it would probably turn to shit if that end up, you know, end up happening. So, and how that's, that's going to be my comments on that first part, Carl, and then uh, and I got Brooke, jump in, Carl. I mean, participating in a group conscious, I kind of just talked about, I mean, of course it, uh, I get probably my most practice in my personal life, you know, of course we have business meetings and things like that, but I mean, I use that all the time. I mean, I'm a big, big believer. And I, I kind of teach my sponsees kind of like what I do. And what that is, it looks like is I'm like, dude, don't just believe me. You know what I mean? Like, just because I'm your sponsor, like, I want you to go ask people, you know, go ask. Because everybody does it so differently. I think it's so important to have such a broad perspective. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's so many different ways to do things. And there's so many different belief systems. And it's like when I do practice my third step that way, when I ask three or four people and then I make a very informed decision, I absolutely see a higher power working. It's easy to me to see God because no matter how I feel about it, you know, when I, when I follow basically what other people are with more experience and more time, you know, like sometimes my sponsor says, He's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not better than you, but I'm at a higher level, you know, like in the, in the hotel or whatever. He says, sometimes he's like, I can see a little bit more than you and it doesn't make me better than you. I've just been in the journey a lot longer. I can see a broader spectrum of the journey. And, and, um, and so a lot of times, like, I'm not saying that everybody, you know, I'm saying is healthy or not, you know, love my sponsor, but crazy as hell, just like me. And, uh, <laughs> Douglas and Bobby knows it, but, uh, but that's why I ask multiple people and that's what I've learned to do. But in that somehow I find a true path. Like I find some sort of greater connection with God and everybody's talking about meditation and I love that developing my own, you know, and, and talk about default, uh, you know, uh, influence in my decision-making. that's what I was just talking about. It's like, I've learned to not make a decision like just like that, you know, and, and like they say, all wisdom begins with, I don't know. And, you know, of course I was just at a meeting, my last meeting of the day and, and this girl, everything we say, she's got an answer to, and it's nonsense. You know what I mean? It's just crazy stuff. She's 14. She don't know anything. And it's like, <laughs> but she's got an answer to everything and an excuse and a victim and this and this and this. And I said, you know, that great saying of all wisdom begins with, I don't know. And it's so true because when I got here, that's what I had. I had no group conscience. I had no con like real conscience, you know, like, or even how to act on it, I think is probably a better way to say it. But, um, and that's how do I cultivate? That's how I practice. That's literally how I practice my third step. And it, it has worked extremely well, you know, and of course, like there's other ways there's, it's a much bigger 
way. I mean, of course, I practice meditation daily. I do other things and I do step work and that all helps me cultivate um, cultivate that. But love y'all. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for those comments, Carl. And, and uh, we're going to revisit some of your points that you're making in question five. You know, so we'll, we'll come back to that. But, you know, our friend Steve A. from the UK shares a similar story with that <clears throat> about a lighthouse and saying the same situation may be uh, the, the situations are, are the same, the landscape's the same, but we can see it from a very different vantage point from the bottom of the lighthouse looking out the window to the very top of the lighthouse looking out the window. And, and so, so uh, I was thinking about that while you were sharing. What's happening, Brooke? Hello. Okay. So I, when I'm reading this question, the first thing that I remember are all of those group consciences that I went to that I feel like I didn't understand it all. Um, and, and it was, I mean, the first thing I had to do was show up to a group conscience, like, cause what the hell was that? Um, and, um, and I'd come from another fellowship even, and the way they did group consciences was actually different than the way we did group consciences here. Um, and so, but the one thing I remember is I would say something and it kind of felt like everybody was kind of disagreeing with me and like jumping on me. Um, and, you know, I don't know if anybody else came here with an overly sensitive ego, but I did. And so, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that they did, but it's just like, I, I did know it all when I got here. And, um, and so somebody needed to tell me that maybe I didn't, uh, you know, and, and uh, I, I hear what everybody's saying about, I mean, now I have more of an open mind and, and I know how to like actually just kind of snap into, I'm a group conscience. This isn't about me anymore right now. Um, I do know how to get there, but when I was new, there were times where I was like, I never want to go back to that meeting again. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the truth is, is that if I don't go back to those uncomfortable places, I don't get to learn um, until I finally found out that the more I work the steps um, and definitely the more open-minded I am, um, not only the more do I get to learn, the less pain I'm in. Like whether it's embarrassment or um, just insulting other people, like that's hard too, where I say something that I didn't mean to hurt someone's feelings, you know, all of that stuff comes out in group conscience. And so I just wanted to do a shout out to anybody who's new and going, well, but my group conscience, I, I hate them. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes they suck. <laughs> but we have to keep trying. And really the solution once again is spiritual and it's in the steps. And and that's kind of where I ended up was I was just like, I don't know how to get to where we need to be from where we are now, but at a certain point, I'm gonna to have to start believing in something bigger than myself is gonna get us there. Um, and, uh, and often that was a group of people sitting in front of me that if nothing else, I knew they loved NA as much as I did. Um, and, and that was kind of, you know, that that's kind of how I, connect one of the best ways for me to connect with my higher power is is like carl was talking about through that um one of our as our understandings of love grow our, our um, connection to other people and our higher power grows too that's all i have thanks thanks for those comments brooke i'm gonna bring donna p in for introduction and comments on question two what's happening donna hey everybody my name is donna i'm an addict my clean date is thanksgiving day 1985 and my home group, I finally remember the name, is uh, Solutions for Living <laughs> on Sunday night here in Eugene, Oregon. Come join us, six o'clock. Um, so what I was thinking about this first part of this question about participating in group conscious helped develop my sense of a higher power. When I disagreed with a group conscience, but became willing to let the group decide and have it turn out really well was a really a big moment for me, right? It's like, oh, I can trust that maybe the group has a greater wisdom than I have as an individual, right? And, and, uh, and that even if we make the wrong decision, it's still going to be okay because we can come back together and talk about what we need to do instead, you know? And, um, and it was, those were, it was a huge lesson in trust, you know, letting go of the outcome, trusting, like Brooke said, is that there were people in front of me that loved Narcotics Anonymous as much as I did, right? And that we were just trying to do the right thing, whether we understood it the same or not. 
Um, and then allowing a higher power to influence my decision-making and what cultivates that influence is shutting up and listening to other people. You know, I don't have to have all the answers all the time. And, um, and uh, you know, sometimes that still small voice inside knows what the right thing is, but arguing with my home group members is not conducive to peace you know, and, um, and I, what I believe about my home group and my area and my region and the places I participate in is that what I say matters. And if I disagree, it matters. It may not affect the outcome, but I'm not being ignored, right? It's like, so noted, Donna disagrees with this, so noted, you know, and um, one of the things that we uh, do out here, or we, they were doing when I was a chairperson, is consensus-based decision-making as part of the, uh, the way we do service. And one of the really beautiful things about that, and I didn't want to throw everybody off with that, but one of the beautiful things about that is when you have a dissenting opinion, you make sure that everybody understands that dissenting opinion and that it's considered. That person doesn't have to change their mind, but we consider it and we know where they're coming from and why and what their concerns are. It often changes um, the direction that the question is going in when you completely understand a dissenting opinion. And um, it got, I mean, it's got God written all over it, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but I sure wasn't sitting around making group decisions like that before I got clean. Right. And because I believe a higher power led me here, led me to you, led me to these groups, you know, I can believe that a higher power is in charge there as well. We don't have to save everybody. We don't have to do everything. We just have to keep our group going, follow the traditions, make the best decision we can. If we come back next week, it doesn't work, then we can try again. And there's a real beauty in that. You know, thanks. Thanks for those comments, Donna. I think we're going to go on to, to, yeah, Phil, jump in. Then we're going to head to uh, question three. What's happening, Phil? Uh, I'll, I'll be real quick. Uh, that that was some good stuff. Uh, uh, how do I allow my higher power to influence my uh, decision making? Uh, making? Uh, for the most part, um, uh, if I'm squared up, meaning meaning I've done like 11th step and I'm, and I'm floating and floating and, and this and that, I can, um, I can, um, let go and let God. I can practice the unity, definitely the love, anonymity. We're all equal together in the group. Uh, what helps me cultivate that uh, influences? Um, uh, for me, for the most part, I can I can let a lot of things go, but but there'll be sometimes them uh, moments in group conscience where there isn't a clear understanding, meaning at a business meeting where going over motions and things like that and and we have uh, uh maybe let's go into something to explain it to the other members and and sometimes it's it's how my spirit is feeling with patience and other things too to put that into uh the group conscience you know from like me the higher power and how can we do this together where everybody can can understand and then sometimes it's it is what it is and you we can't negotiate this stuff and it comes down to well what does uh this literature say you know i, mean, I heard what 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 you said you, you heard what i said but sometimes i want to go to what this is saying you know because this is for all of us to do and that's all i got Interest comments, Phil. All right, question number three reads this. How does my understanding of open-mindedness help me apply the second tradition? How do I encourage or welcome the ideas of new members? Do I consider the needs or views of those who aren't in the room? How do I find the courage to ask difficult questions in business meetings? And Don and Phil both, um, both touched on this, this uh, part of open-mindedness open helping to apply uh, the tradition in, in in terms of, hey, if we're doing something, if we agree on something that I that I kind of don't agree, and it still goes well, um, it, it does. It does really show me, like one, ah, all right, it's it's okay, man. You know, there's a higher power in charge. I'm not I'm not the higher power, and things are cool. And then um, one one question that that I'll pose um, 
few folks jump in and make comments. Who the need the the needs or views of those who aren't in the room? I think I had a similar question to that, you know, when it was a question in, in tradition one, too, about, you know, spoken, speaking for the member who who's not here and asked, well, like, what does that mean? I'm kind of thrown off by this one. So do I consider the needs or views of those who aren't in the room? Kind of having trouble wrapping my mind around, you know, what where we're going with that one. So maybe if somebody could add some context to that, too. I see Michelle, then Phil, and then then Barb. So jump on in, Michelle. What's happening? Thanks. Um... Well, to, to answer your question, I mean, I, I see that as, um, as the, the newcomer, right? The addict who didn't show up for the business meeting, that, that, do, that doesn't uh, feel confident sticking around after that, that you know, that that uh, attaches back to the unity in the first tradition, right? That we have to consider a member who hasn't made it yet and, and, uh, and those members who don't feel like they have a voice yet. Um, the other thing I was going to add about this, um, you know, I, I like that last piece about how do I find the courage to ask difficult questions in business meetings. And, you know, I think um, in, in my very first year of recovery, I worked steps and traditions, right? That was, that was just my introduction to NA. I worked a step, I worked a tradition. And so um, from the very beginning, I had an understanding of the traditions. And so as things would come up in business meetings or you know, in meetings where there was a concern about traditions, having to raise my hand or raise my, not raise my voice, but to, to use my voice, you know, sometimes it was like my voice would be shaking. I'd be so nervous about, you know, going against what may be a popular opinion based on my knowledge and understanding of the traditions. Um, and yet doing that to me, is so is such a vital thing, right? Because unfortunately, not everybody in Narcotics Anonymous has worked traditions, right? A lot of people have worked steps, but I bet if you did a survey, maybe maybe half, maybe have done the have really thoroughly worked the traditions. Um, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I know a lot of people who've never worked them once, um, and and have opinions about certain things, but not that knowledge that goes along with it. So I think it is important to have that to trust that voice as it relates to group conscience and bringing it into a business meeting. Um, and also, you know, how it talks about the open-mindedness, having that open-mindedness to be able to listen. Like that's my biggest challenge in a business meeting, right? Is that I have to be, be open-minded to listen, not just have my own personal opinion and group and my personal conscience, I have to listen. And, and like Donna was talking about that in through that listening, you know, there may be a newcomer in the room that has wisdom that can help us all move in the right direction um, and not discount anyone's voice. Um, I think that's all I got right now. There's your comments, Michelle. Phil, what's happening? Wow, uh, good stuff. Um, I was thinking about the the one to uh, the 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 cur the courage you ask somebody uh, who's uh, who's uh, not in the rooms and uh, that happens um, uh, a lot and um, uh, and I I know in, in diff different home groups especially uh, at a, uh, in, in an area of service uh, something doesn't happen where the member doesn't show up this and that something that got bo boogered up in the process they're not here and the members want to go into different things. And, and the first thing that, that, uh, that I, I just usually say is, okay, the person, uh, they're not here. You know, we got no business making any discussion, decision on anything. They're not here to defend themselves or say anything. They're just not here. We need to just let this go. Um, and I had a, a one uh, uh, incident with COVID up, uh, somebody passed away. It was the, the treasurer, one of the home groups. And uh, they were trying to get the money back uh, with, with the COVID thing and that. And uh, it was one of the things, okay, the, the person's dead, uh, this and that. We, we tried to reach out to the family, this and that. They're like, whatever. They know we're meeting. They haven't bought the, the, the money back. Just, just, just let it go, you know? Let's move on. We'll, we'll make it, you know? And that's what, what I had thought about when, when that question came up. Thanks for those comments, Phil. Barbara, jump in. 
Uh, for me, this um, a lot of this, what this question is talking about is one of the spiritual principles that it's using used in the um, um, words, safety. If I'm in a situation that uh, I don't feel safe, you know, I'm not going to be open-minded. I'm not going to be able to uh, encourage new members. I'm not going to be able to do any of that uh, that it's talking about here. And when, when I look about, think about the needs or views of those who aren't in the room, you know, I'm, I personally have a lot of people outside of the rooms in Narcotics Anonymous that I talk with about recovery. Um, and, it's, and, and I can ask them you know, that are using drugs of some sort or another. And I, I have that ability to ask them. Those are the hard questions that I ask. You know, stuff like, um, you know, if, if you would ever think about coming into recovery, what would it look like for you? You know, so I can ask those kind of questions of people who are not in the rooms. I can also ask those questions of people who want to get clean, who have been clean. What, what would it look like for you to, to come back? And, uh, you know, I get different answers from that. The open-minded piece here, you know, I was thinking earlier and, and uh, about what we were talking about um, in here tonight, you know, and a lot of that has to do with judgment. You know, I really have, uh, you know, I used to uh, say this stuff that, you know, being open-minded means that I don't have any judgment, which is not the truth. You know, so um, I, I have come to understand that I am a judgmental person and that's not a bad thing. Uh, so, you know, but, but that has created an open-mindedness for me, an acceptance of my judgment has helped me be more open-minded. And uh, so, you know, it's like, I talk to people outside the rooms, I talk to people inside the rooms, I talk to all kinds of people inside the rooms, many, many uh, years of experience, two days of experience, no days of experience, uh, because I'm a curious, and I'm a curious person, and, and I want to know what other people think about recovery, how they practice recovery, and that's how I learn and become open-minded to other ways of being. Thanks for letting me share. Well, those are, um, you must started to respond to what you were talking about and, and the, the challenge sometimes for me with, with that perspective is saying, if, if I don't openly disagree with, you know, with you, and it's just an example, you know, with, with you, then sometimes I feel like I'm violating my belief you know, like if, you know, if we're at odds or something and, it, and that's not true, that's a false, like that's a false narrative that I have that, that sometimes I have to be mindful of and saying, hey, look, no, part of being open-minded, let's just bracket what I'm believing right now, my belief system, just listen, just listen. It doesn't mean, hey, I'm violating myself or my beliefs or something like that. And, and, and I think we're, I think that's going to flow into um, question four. So question four reads this, how do I set aside my personal preferences in favor of an emerging consensus? What is the difference between surrender and abdication of responsibility? That's my understanding that the abdication of responsibility is abandonment, um, just being not, you know, not fulfilling, you know, a, my responsibility there. Um, again, I, I, I find this, I, I'm not sure how to, how to put that, put the second part, you know, of question four in context. What's the difference between, okay, hey, I, I'm going to surrender what, how, what I feel would be the right thing to do. I don't. I don't know how I'm. I'm supposed to compare and contrast that with like a, a abandoning my responsibility. So, so I don't know if I'm going to make comments on this. I'm going to go. I'm going to pull Brooke in and then Barbara um, for some comments here. Uh, Brooke, what's happening? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I've been looking at um, the other just like tolerance, resignation, and. Um, and surrender like a lot um, in a, what is the difference. And often what the difference is, is whether or not I'm participating in the solution. Um, so instead of like, if I'm just tolerating something, I'm like, it's the elephant in the room. Like it's over there and that's, that's fine, but we're not gonna, you know. And, um, and that happens sometimes in group conscience where I'm like, this is stupid, but you know, <laughs> but y'all think it's a good idea. And the truth is it doesn't violate the tradition. So whatever, um, you know, and then there's, there's that whole um, part about if I've really surrendered to um, the group conscience, I'm participating. I mean, like, I'm not even uh, like whatever this thing is, whatever it's like, um, I'm throwing, I'm throwing my dollar in the basket for it. 
you know i mean that's the kind of thing where it's like where um that's the part that changes me that's the part that allows me to be a part of um the group is that i participate in learning about it understanding where it's coming from um whether i disagree with it or not um and the truth is is that if if this group if whoever group conscience i'm with continues to be different from me maybe this isn't the group for me um <clears throat> but in the beginning i must at least show up and um put put my foot in the circle you know and um so that that's that one was pretty kind of interesting for me um and setting aside my personal preferences honestly i've been known to just flat out tell everybody just be like so this is my agenda <laughs> this is what's going on in my brain but that's not necessarily how this has to roll <laughs> but you know so just i'm not so i'm not hiding anything i can't because i can't always like just take out a piece of my brain and leave it on the corner outside you know um and um and it's it's just it's important to me to just like be comfortable enough to share with the people that I'm in the room with. And sometimes if I'm not, if if I have something like a little voice in my head going, no, you know, I could just be like, that's this is here, but we don't necessarily have to believe it, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, and if I'm in the groups that I am in, the groups that I the group consciences that I participate in, that's okay. Um, and that's important to me. That's that's one of the ways I feel safe is that I don't have to pretend to be over there when I actually am right here. So that's all I have. Thanks. So Brooke, so so we don't have listeners taking what you said out of context. It's not that if they're at one business meeting and they don't like what's going on, they don't leave, right? It's like we're hey, we're sticking for a little while. We're sticking well, for a little while and then no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, right. if somebody wants to try that and run through every meeting on the group right the in the list. area they That's go to fine. the next we'll area find out. <laughs> no i mean i mean like if people are like we want to i've left meetings um for various reasons but um a lot of times it's it's just like they went from an hour to an hour and a half and and i found myself getting cranky and resentful about it and i was like Brooke, you just need to go somewhere else and find an hour meeting you know okay. um there's nothing wrong with an hour and a half meeting it's just not what i want so yeah yeah, it's well, it folks, listen, if they, you know, one disagreement, they were, were eliminating the option of saying, no, listen, I heard Brooke T talking about, hey, I disagree to hell with you guys. You know, that's yeah, not where serenity is. So, right. <laughs> yeah, we heard it here. All right, Brooke, thanks for those comments. Barbara, sure. jump in. <laughs> when it talks in here for me about uh, taking, putting aside my personal preferences, that's me taking personal responsibility for what I believe in. And, uh, you know, what I believe in is Narcotics Anonymous and the process of, of this recovery program that we belong to. And, and sure, at one point in my recovery, I am, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to admit this, and sure, at one point in my recovery, and I probably will do it again, um, you know, walked out of a room, out of an area service, <laughs> and started a new area, you know, I, uh, well, me with along with other uh, recovering addicts has started two areas in my recovery uh, world, started many, many home groups because of my, you know, all of this stuff that, that happens, you know, but, but, but because of that, and because of the love that we have, have for Narcotics Anonymous, our area has grown and our region has grown because of it. You know, now some of those areas have shut down, but you know, it's my personal responsibility to uh, know what my personal pre preferences are. And then this question about what uh, Doug was talking about, surrender and abdication. Sometimes, uh, you know, there, it, for me, this is not black and white program anymore. You know, it's about middle ground sometimes, it's about the ebb and flow sometimes, and it's about what Phil was talking about, what's my spirit today? So if I keep my spirit healthy through meditation, step work, tradition work, you know, I, I can walk into an area service or home group conscience and be pretty okay. But if I'm not taking care of my soul, if I'm not taking care of my spirit, that motherfucker is going to come out and he's going to, she's going to be a horrible, horrible person, you know, and, and I, and I go the gamut, you know, so, uh, so, you know, it's, for me, it's about taking response, personal responsibility and uh, being okay with me as a recovering addict 
not necessarily you, but being okay with me. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Barbara. You know, and I heard <clears throat> about starting a meeting, you know, you need a resentment in a coffee pot, right? You can start a meeting. Our, our mission is for next week, we need to come up with something. How do you start it? What do you need to start a new area? That's or two. That's a good one. All right, Michelle, jump in. I got Michelle, Donna, and Bobby. That's the order. Michelle, what's happening? All right. Um, I love everything that's been said so far. I was going to focus on that second part of the question. What is the difference between surrender and abdication of responsibility? And I really see it as like, if I'm, and if I'm surrendering um, to an emerging consensus, it, it's something like Brooke was talking about, right? The meeting's deciding to go from, from an hour to an hour and a half. It's not my personal preference, but but I'll surrender to that because it's what the it's what the majority wants, right? And that's the decision everybody feels like is is the best thing for the meeting. But the, the difference to me in that abdication of responsibility is, if someone's bringing forward, if somebody came to the business meeting and said, "Hey, we want to hold an event with the local uh, treatment center, and let let's do an event on Saturday night with the treatment center," if if I accept that then I'm abdicating my personal responsibility to Narcotics Anonymous because that's a direct violation of our tradition. So if, if I choose to sit there and, and allow that to happen, not allow is the wrong word, but if I, if I, if I uh, even if I vote nay or if I, I don't vote at all, if I abstain from voting, right? I'm abdicating my personal responsibility because I know it's a, it's a violation of tradition six. So, you know, I have to speak up and I have to, I have to keep working at it until, until people understand the why we can't do it, right? And that's just an example uh, that I could think of, of like how that works. Um, but I think that's the difference, right? It, it, and, and it ties into that, um, you know, putting aside my personal preferences that I like one hour meetings, you know, uh, the, the fact that I want an NA event to be an NA event isn't my personal preference. That's that's our traditions, right? There's a difference there for me on um, on where my responsibility lies when I'm in that business meeting. Michelle, I want a quick follow up on this, and Donna, then I'm going to kick it over to you. So this is a really there, there's a strong correlation between what you just talked about there, you know, with the event, or like how about you folks have been talking a lot about like masks, you know, like if if you know the 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 legal perspective is hey mask up, the meeting saying hey no, you know how whatever that looks like, whatever that does. So if we have some folks listening in who who have the same situation you're talking about, joining with the facility to do a function mask, you know, whatever the thing is, and they feel like, hey, look, this is a violation of traditions, but the group conscience votes yes to it. That's kind of where we're leaving off at right here. Could you, you know, just quickly, like, what's the action item then? You know, so what do we do? So, we, you know, so if I'm getting clean or, you know, I'm clean a while, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm, and that's happening. So what's my action item? Do I say, hey, look, you know, I'm going to find another home group? Like, is that where I'm at with that? Or do I say, hey, you know, this is, you know, so what, what's the action item? Well, I, I think it comes back to education, right? Like ensuring people understand the why. why. Why is it not okay for us to do that, right? Based on what, you know, the traditions or just the laws that we're required to follow, right? Like we're not, we're not, we don't, uh, we don't get a pass just because we're Narcotics Anonymous. On, on following rules and regulations of facilities, or there was a, a, a discussion recently about this on, on a, a Facebook group I was in about something. And, and I had a differing opinion. And by the end of the conversation, my mind had changed a little bit. Um, <laughs> I see Donna shocked. I won't, I won't get into the details of it here, but, but you know, like as people were providing all these different perspectives about, about from a legal perspective and from a safety perspective and like what's important for the people that are sitting in the room, my opinion started to shift because I had more information about why it was important for us to do this. Not just because it was my personal opinion that I don't want to be, um, I don't want to have to wear a mask because I want to be able to breathe easier. Like we got to give more information, right? Whether it's what the governor has stated, what the facilities stated, like we don't want to lose, we don't want to lose the right to a facility because of ignorance and we bring COVID in somewhere or something like that. And then they got to, you know, deep cleanse their, their facility or something. So I get that. I get, I get the educating piece and like, Hey, you know, advocate for, for, you know, what, what we feel there. But I think I was looking at it for, we made the best laid, you know, argument or perspective or whatever. It still gets voted the opposite way, you know, because sometimes like decisions, 
maybe aren't logical, aren't practical. You know what I'm saying? So, so it still goes that way. And then, then we'll, but it, we, we could tighten it up there. Let's, yeah, uh, Donna may have more of an opinion. Yeah. Donna <laughs> P, jump on in. So uh, I would say just in terms of that, what I do next, if I can't, if I really think there's a, a, a significant violation going on of some kind, um, I would go to the area and I would ask the area's opinion because then we're getting a bigger group together to talk about all the different ramifications of this. Maybe you'll have somebody in the group that's a traditions expert, you know, has really good experience and stuff like that. And then, um, and then decide as an area whether this violates, whether it's a violation of, of the traditions for Narcotics Anonymous and whether this creates a, a problem for uh, Narcotics Anonymous as a whole. So, so just, you know, I would just keep taking it like that. I, you know, I told you guys back um, a while back about an area I was in that um, um, I was the cranky old timer with nine years clean or something like that. And they wanted to have a dance with the um, AA fellowship. And while it was a lovely idea, it clearly violated our traditions. And they just, you know, kept pushing me farther and farther out. And I got crankier and crankier. And then finally it was my birthday meeting, right? And so I, my, for the topic, we studied the sixth tradition, you know, and at the end of that, they canceled the meeting, but I was, I was outside. Now I'm outside of the group. I was never a welcomed part of the meeting again. You know, so there's consequences to being that voice sometimes, you know, and um, it's unfortunate, you know, and I accept a lot of responsibility for that, um, how that went down. Um, but sometimes being that voice is not popular, it's not fun, and it does not gain you friends. Um, the thing I was thinking of uh, here with um, was about surrender. And I've been thinking a lot about this, about this really important, powerful, spiritual principle that has to, um, that we have to have in order to not just get clean, but to have a tr life truly based in recovery, because it means, <clears throat> it means giving up the fight that we're going to beat this thing somehow, right? And, um, and, so, and so if people don't understand surrender on that level, and you come into a business meeting, they're not gonna understand it on, on that level either, right? You know, and, uh, um, and um, you know, I've done what Barbara's done. I've walked out of business meetings and out of home groups and just threw my hands up and said, fuck it. It was not a surrender. It was abdicating my responsibility, right? And, um, um, uh, but, um, more importantly, I think is what was said earlier about just like, I just, uh, I don't want to fight this. I don't want to be part of this. I don't want this problem. I'm going to go across the street to the other meeting kind of thing. And, um, you know, I mean, eventually I might need to do that for my own personal recovery, you know, but just be clear about why I'm doing it and um, what I'm doing it for. My first home group, I never missed a meeting for seven years. We had a lot of arguments about the traditions and what to do and stuff like that. But the difference was we were truly committed to recovery and to each other. We moved that meeting around five, six different times, you know, different places. So um, sometimes it's a good fight and you stick with it and you get through it together as a family and friends in, in recovery, you know, and sometimes you get to the end of it and it's like, I don't belong here, you know, and then I take it to the area. Thanks for those comments, Donna. <clears throat> I was, uh, Bobby, I want to kick it over to you here in a second. I, I was thinking when, when you were talking about the A, then they joined dance or something like that. Would have been cool if you guys had it. You could have had a lot of like codependence anonymous literature throughout the dance hall, you know, on the table. I think that would have been kind of cool. All right, that's enough for me. Bobby, what's happening? Hey, uh, yeah, thanks. I think I just wanted to touch base, uh, touch real quickly on that first, first question. Um, you know, how it, the question is asking me, like, how do I set aside my personal preferences in favor of a consensus? So how I do that, I think, is is I look at it through the eyes of my step work. You know, like if I'm in tune with my higher power and I'm 
doing the things I need to do to stay clean every day. That that's how I'm able to like practice spiritual principles. So for me to be able to set aside a personal preference, like I think the only way that I'm able to do that is by, you know, having a, having like, having, being in the state, like a good spiritual state, if that makes sense. Right. Like I, I don't have any static between me and my higher power and I'm doing the things I need to do. Cause I know that when I'm in a bad spot and I go to a business meeting and people start talking, the first thing I'm going to do is just shut them out. Like, this is bullshit. I don't agree with it. And like, I let, I let those little things get to me. Right. So I, I think that the only way that I'm able to do that myself is, is being a good spiritual state. And the only way that I'm able to do that is with through step work and, and those small little things that were taught to me very early on in my recovery. Like, I think that's the only way that I'm able to do that. And then the difference between surrender and abdication of responsibility, right? Abdication is, is quitting. But I think with surrender comes that notion that I've done everything I possibly can, right? The only way I surrendered to my addiction was I tried every trick in the book to, to use successfully and it didn't work. So I look at that as the same, like a surrendering means I've done everything I possibly can do. It's just not working for me. So I need to give that up. You know, I need to, to quit. So I think that's kind of the, the difference there. Quit Advocating is, is quitting before the shit is done. And then surrendering is trying everything I possibly can, but still not being able to, to succeed. And I guess that's kind of the difference. So surrender kind of implies that every possible thing was, was tried. I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. So if that makes sense to anybody, thanks. Thanks for those comments, Bobby. All right, folks, question number five. Is my behavior in group business meetings consistent with the principles of this tradition? Do I use my clean time or position to intimidate others or to assert authority? Do I listen or do I just want to talk? How do I find the balance? Uh, I think for me, it's been a few months since I've been at a business meeting. Um, I don't want to... I, I intentionally didn't look up at the screen to see if I didn't want to ridicule. But uh, a few months back, you know, it, it, one situation was was headed a little bit south. There was another member, and she's awesome. She listens here too. You know, we're it's all it's all love. But it was um, a tell, man. You know, some things were going on maybe from her side. We had very different perspectives about an issue. She was upset, and then you know. It, spoke a little bit like not maybe loving not very you know something like this and um but man what I was able to maybe you know and and I would like to to look at myself as being consistently you know um respond in this manner in which I don't but you know at that time I was able to to respond and just saying hey it's right here in the group pamphlet you know let's let's look at the you know something like this and it was called Bobby was was in that business meeting too and it, and it just it just was like ah uh, Okay. And I think sometimes, man, sometimes that, that, that's what it is. You can be, you know, have that, that almost like a live wire at the end of, you know, that, that, that a lot of static and all that stuff there. And it just takes one or two people to share and kind of bring it back in nice, calm, you know, here, let's, let's see, we're all, in, we're, we're in it together. Um, would it have felt better, you know, 15 seconds for me to say, man, what the f it's fucking right here. Rate it. It's here. You know, does that, does that, you know, further anything? Absolutely not. No, that's a really bad example for everybody else too. So um, one, and one, one thing, and then, then we'll open up to whoever wants to jump in. This, do I use my clean time or position to intimidate others? You know, obviously that, that, that's no good. Um, <clears throat> I was intimidated in my, my first home group for the first few years. Phil, I think you, <clears throat> you know, the group that I got clean in, in Southwestern PA in Uniontown there. And uh Bro, if you if you didn't have a few years clean, you didn't have a voice, a say, nothing. It was like, yo, shut up. You don't know what you're doing. We know what we're doing, and that's it. You know, and 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 in healthy proportions. I'm not saying like I would like swing all the way there, but but quite frankly, I I think we're missing a little bit of that. I think we're missing a little bit of no, relax, Phil. I think we're missing a little bit of saying, hey, hey, you who've been here 20 years, what what do you think? more because I think the pendulum now just from my perspective the pendulum now is like hey you got 20 days tell us everything what what's the solution to all these issues in our business meeting you know what I'm saying like we're more sensitive to that now and, that, and that's those are just some things that I'm thinking about here so let's open that, that up I think that's going to be the last question we get to but you want to jump in question number five I, I see everybody I'll start calling on people if I have to 
Jump in. Barbara, jump in. You know, coming coming from an area that does not have a lot of clean time in it, um, you know, and before um, my opportunity to do online meetings, you know, I really, really worked at not being the one that was the authority. And, um, you know, but I also talked to my sponsor about that. Uh, and what he told me was that you are the person who is supposed to be teaching and, and mentoring others. And, uh, you know, the area service is not the place to do that. You know, uh, uh, sponsorship is the place to do that. And, uh, you know, that's what I've taken on is to, um, uh, to teach through this, literally this book, uh, the people that I sponsor uh, about traditions and about service work. And, uh, you know, I was in an area, in an area service meeting a couple months ago and, um, you know, uh, the the GSRs that are there are very young. They don't attend often, and uh, they don't ever ask questions. And uh, one of the uh, the uh, the treasurer had given a report, and there was an extra twenty dollars. And uh, you know, policy says what to do with that extra twenty dollars. And uh, the chairperson put it out to uh, the uh, the group. What do you want to do with this twenty dollars? And I raised my hand and I said, it's in policy of what we do with, <laughs> with this extra $20. So, you know, sometimes that uh, it, it's hard, you know, it is so hard for, uh, for a person like me that has the experience to just sit there and watch this whole thing disintegrate. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, some of you know, Jessica, she and I and two other addicts have gotten together and we are starting to do uh, activities work at our area specifically on how do we attract, and it's an IDT out of the NA.org, uh, attracting newcomers to service work. And, uh, you know, so, so we're starting like brand new here, it feels like, and it's okay. It's okay. So, uh, you know, that whole thing about um, people with, that have the clean time and not wanting to be listened to, I agree with Douglas, you know, that pendulum has, has swung the other way. So, um, you know, so we'll see what happens. Thanks. Good stuff, Barbara. Thanks. I got Phil and I got Brooke. We got three minutes. You, you got 90 seconds each. Come on, Phil. Be okay. I'll, 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 I'll be real quick, but, uh, but I, I just like how that, uh, it's asking it. do I use, uh, my clean time to, uh, to position you intimidate others or, or insert, uh, in Thor authority. Um, no, uh, I'll, I'll never do that. Um, our leaders are but trusted servants. They, they, they do not govern. But, but, but here's the thing, uh, they do lead. And uh, even, even if you're reading the literature of Narcotics Anonymous, it does say that our older, our older members will be responsible for different things. It won't be the, the new person to be responsible. Okay, so if you're reading literature of Narcotics Anonymous, You'll know that, yeah, the older members are responsible, but uh, to intimidate somebody, uh, uh, the anonymity knocks all that uh, out, out the bosses because we're all equal. You know, nobody should be. You know, you know, and I'm just speaking. I'm just speaking, saying what our literature's saying. It ain't what I'm saying. You can, you can, you, you, you can read that. You know, and then we're, we're all equal. So no, but there's no big eyes and little U's here. And then it's back to that common welfare. You know. Uh, if, I, I don't care who it is, you know, the, the old person, the, the, the new person, like whatever, it, it's, it's back to that uni thing. You don't feel like you belong or you're a part of, you're not going to be here. I'm just going to use the spiritual principles. And that's all I got. Thanks, my brother. Brooke, you got 45 seconds. Close this. Oh. Time. I even get my mute off. Um, so really simply, um, I guess my behavior... I don't, I don't know that I can remove that intimidation factor necessarily when I'm talking to newcomers. But what I do is I do practice that attraction and promotion and let them know they're wanted. So um, I'll be coming up to them and being like, do you have a home group? You know, I mean, and like, I hear you're a home group member. I haven't seen you in the group consciences. <laughs> you should join us. You know, I mean, stuff like that. And, um, <laughs> you know, because, and that's intimidating. It is, it really is. I know they're like, but um, I don't care. <laughs>
That's it. All right. Thanks for those comments, Brooke. All right, folks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for showing up tonight, and and folks, thanks for tuning in and listening. And if you if you could an action item for this week, find somebody that uh, that could benefit from this resource. Invite them to to listen, and, and better yet, invite them to reach out to one of us and and participate. And we'd love to have some some guests come on. Thanks. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.